Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... I got this call from Brenda. I went to pick her up. The tire had a blowout, and my mom's car got shot up. And these guys started to chase us. And we all got hijacked. <laughs> We're cruising down the highway. And this big old Cadillac, and it's so hard. Yeah! It's so hard. Babysitting these guys. She got the babysitting blue. Nobody gets out of here without singing the blues, because we're talking about Adventures in Babysitting, Chris Columbus's film debut as a director. Uh, He's come up on this show twice before as a writer on Gremlins and The Goonies, and I'm sure he'll come up again maybe around Christmas if we do Home Alone or one of his other many, many storied films. Um, but I'm really excited to be talking about this one today uh, because it's a lot of fun, and our our uh, my first guest suggested it when she was here last time because she likes things with uh, with babysitter in the title. So please welcome back my favorite producer and uh, of course the lady I pledged myself to, Amy Lee. Hello, everybody. And uh, <laughs> that is a we have two specific intro. <laughs> yeah, <that> is... <laughs> I paid him to say that. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and you can hear already, we've got two uh, returning guests here who you've met before. She was on our, uh, guest, our show on the Goonies and on My So-Called Life. Please welcome back, Tanya Newton. Here to sing the blues. And, and, uh, and finally, we have, he is both our golden girl and our master of the universe, Ryan Merlot. Woohoo! Hello, everyone. Oh. So we have a full house tonight to talk about adventures in babysitting. But again, Amy, this was uh, you were the driving force behind this one. So tell us why. Yeah, well, this is just it's a movie from like a critical time in my life. You know, I'm just like a what ten year old. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but probably eighty seven. Oh, a seven year old then. <laughs> um, and it was just such a fun movie. Like like you wish you were inserted into all their like crazy things that happened and it was just good music and good cast and it was just one of those movies that anytime it's on TV you want to watch it because it's just such a fun movie. Did you watch it a whole I assume this is one you watched over and over again, right? Yeah, we watched it a lot and we watched it in our family. So like there were certain lines from the movie that we'd always repeat to each other. Um so it was a, a big hit in our household. And uh I'll throw it over to you, Ryan. I know you you were eager to do this one too. Uh tell me why. I just think it's one of those fun adventure movies as a kid and you always like wish that you were in an, a cool adventure like they they were in. I also had a really cool babysitter when I was young and I always thought like I I looked up to him and he was like the he was really um a fun guy. He was Dutch. He's from from Amsterdam and I was like so I guess I really liked him and it was kind of a nice I don't know, you know, it was it was it was a, it was always a fun movie to watch and to kind of hope that you would go on adventure like that. Tanya, how about you? Um, honestly, I don't think I watched this in the eighties. I'm 99.9% sure Amy is probably who suggested it sometime in 
I don't know, maybe even my early adulthood, maybe my 20s. I don't think I saw this until until I think I was in college. Um, but it is, it's a lot of fun. It is one of those fun adventures that you just get wrapped up in. It, it clearly has that Chris Columbus stamp on it. You know, a la Goonies, these, you know, magical adventure type things. And, and so it, it, it does have that, like, childhood romance that I, I think really catches you, um, takes you for a ride. Yeah, I don't have any nostalgic memories of the movie. The first time I saw it was when I watched it with you probably a couple of years ago. I think we this was when you said, oh, you never saw it. So we watched it. And I, I admit I didn't remember it very well. So uh, it was a pleasure to watch it again uh, for this viewing. This one for me kind of joins a story pantheon of movies where it's like the anything that can go wrong will. Yep. And like I so I put it in like the same vein as something like planes, trains and automobiles where it's just like, oh, it's just no matter where they show up, you feel the screenwriter basically going, all right, what's the worst possible thing that could happen to them here? And then that's exactly what happens. And uh, and it it makes the movie just have this really fun kind of like almost clockwork feel to the script as the thing just keep like just like someone keeps just turning that gear every scene as it gets worse and worse and worse. I was just gonna say, it's not like cringeworthy, like certain movies where like bad shit keeps happening and you're like, uh, they're in another like shitty circumstance. This is like, you're looking forward to like that next adventure that they're going to have to like overcome. But I think you get, it's, you get those tropes that you see. I don't know if it's just Chris Columbus, but you get those like, like the bad guy with the heart of gold who kind of helps them. And you kind of get that a couple of those kinds of guys in this, in this movie. And you see it even like in home alone too, with like the weird bird lady who you think is scary, but she's actually very nice and helps Kevin. You get some of those. I feel like those are, you know, Chris Columbusisms. And same with the fact that Chicago, I think in this movie Mm -hmm. is almost a character onto itself because of how, you know, they're from the suburbs and they go into the city and all of this stuff is very intrinsic to city things that happen in a city. You know what I mean? I mean, this, this type of stuff wouldn't, if they were just, you know, going down the street, it would have never happened. Right. And it like, and that was like a brand new experience for me too. watching it as a kid in the eighties was like, I'd never been to a big city. I didn't understand like, what is an expressway and why is it scary to drive on that? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, and what's a spare? Like, why do they need a spare? I mean, obviously like a seven year old doesn't know what a spare tire is, but like they just had all these like scary, scary circumstances because of the city. Like you said. Yeah. And, and it, like that, I didn't understand that at all. And it's <laughs> such an amped up version of like the big dirty city, like way, way more than any city really would be. Right. Like no, like they're one notch away from like beating like, a man in a trench coat who turns out to just be a humanoid pile of rats. You know, like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. that, they're that close to that. Um, the, you know, the, it, this feels more like uh, New York from the Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, yes. totally. Than it does yes. real yes. New York or yeah. Chicago. Yeah. But it's great because it, yeah, like it gives them that license to kind of just go like, everyone they meet is a prostitute. Yes, yeah. Or a criminal. You know? Right, right. I, mean, I think that's really uh, especially magnified by what's the girl's name the friend that's stuck in the bus brenda. station brenda, brenda who that's the microcosm yeah. of that like very gritty urban life where you know the homeless lady takes her glasses she takes them back and she's like cuddling a rat um there's a guy with a gun who just likes to stand around and right? smile 
Or yeah. like the guy the in homeless, the phone booth. Yeah, yeah, the homeless man who's... Get out of my house. I'll get out of my house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Chris, I need help. I know. You're in my house. If I take a cab to the Andersons, do you think you could pay for it? Oh, no, Brenda, that's going to be like $40. I don't have $40. Well, can you pick me up? No, Brenda, I'm babysitting. that actress's name like the only thing on my brain was like this should be Judy Greer uh-huh. but it isn't Penelope Ann Miller yeah. oh is it Penelope yeah. Ann Miller Penelope okay. Ann I have okay. the IMDB trivia okay. up I love watching a movie with the trivia up oh interesting yeah. I, I will say like one more thing that just like draws me to this movie and any movie really like of this kind of genre where like the kids are the heroes like I just love movies like that yeah me and, too and like, Goonies is one of them um, like more recently Stranger Things um, I, I like I like a group of kids solving their problems. Well, it, it's I I think what's weird, uh, what's interesting about this movie is is I'm not sure who exactly it was made for. I don't think it's like a kids movie because there's language, there's violent type you know circumstances, but yet it's the protagonists are kids, so certainly not like an adult movie. I don't know. It's like in that like teen. I don't I don't really know who the movie. I don't know if there's a certain target audience. target audience, and I don't even know, like, today, if there would be a, a, something that would be the same, because there is no yeah. target audience, I don't You get think. a little bit yeah. of romance, you get the adventure. Yeah, there's, like, there's there's definitely that ping of a ch- child movie, uh, you know, a, a young adult movie, but then there's a lot of things that are very advanced for, for a young adult. I think it's aimed right at, like, 15 year olds. Okay. I think I, I think if you are Steve Coogan's character, um, Keith Coogan. Keith Coogan. Thank you. Steve Coogan is a totally different human. Who's Keith um, Coogan? Yeah, Keith Coogan. Brad. Brad who okay. of course oh, okay. came up. Brad. Yeah. Right, who who uh, just came up on this podcast cuz we did uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's uh-huh. uh, a couple episodes ago. Ooh, and I love that movie. Uh, love that one. Yeah, he's he's wonderful in it, but I think he is the, the right person because he's old enough to obviously ha- a person like that would be old enough to handle all the uh, spicier elements in the movie, but also would really relate to like that feeling of like having that crush yeah. that he has on on. Um, I want to say Sarah. Sarah's the younger one. Um, on Chris. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Um, his crush on Chris is like so relatable, and it's just you know it's hard to watch in a lot of ways, but it's yeah. it's nice to watch him sort of grow through, with that throughout the movie. Like a key example of that, of like why I think it's targeted towards that audience, is the Thor stuff, which I think we need to camp out on. Um, like we kind of take it for granted now that Thor is a big deal because of Chris Hemsworth and right. the MCU, right? But in 1987, like no one cared about that character at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I feel like maybe 15 year old comic book readers might. What do you think? Figured it's my best one yet. Look, I got the sun rays and the cape and the special helmet. Great. You wasted all my parasol on another picture of Thor. Thor's my hero. Thor's a homo. He's not. Yeah, he is. 
is not. Thor is a complete home. Take it back, Brad. No. Take I... going to kill somebody with these things. Take it back, Brad! Take back what you said about Thor! No. If you don't take it back, I'll tell Chris about all those love poems you write about her. All right, all right, Sarah. I'm sorry. Thor's not a homo. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if what what is is Thor? That they're not. It's not DC. It's Marvel. Marvel. Isn't it? It's Marvel. Marvel. I wonder if Marvel had any had any. Uh, I don't know. Had, like endorse the movie, yeah, or, or something. To, if they mention it, oh, well, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I don't know the amount of like. Yeah, the amount of like all the merchandise, the, the merchandising, the merchandising all the, in that yeah, movie the, is the visual. crazy. Yeah, I mean, if they didn't Marvel pay for it, of that. yeah, I mean, if they didn't pay for it, they got a ton of free advertising so i'm sure that they paid for it somehow they were they were not financially in the best shape in the 80s so they probably would have been thrilled okay for for that publicity but it's it's such a quirky part of the movie that i love because like it's it's you know it's uh you know not to be like a girl in a sexist term right girls don't like comic books um but certainly in the 80s that would have been um kind of the prevailing wisdom so already right. having a little girl into a comic book character is one thing, but it's not like Spider-Man, right. you know, a popular character. Yeah. She's, got, right. she's picking this like third string character. Yeah. Uh, right. To, to love. So. No, I didn't even know who Thor was at the time. I'm yeah, definitely not. Now. I don't either. I'm not, I'm not into, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not big into comic book movies or anything like that. So. And I will just skip ahead briefly since we're talking about Thor. Uh, I love that it's uh, Vincent D'Onofrio with that weird mm. blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's so he's, funny. He's never looked this good in anything before or since. <laughs> I don't know if I would say he looked good. It was... Oh, yeah. He was, like, sexy when I was, like, a 10-year-old watching this movie. His body is sick. Well, yeah. he just I mean, came yeah. out of... Yeah, he was fresh out of Full Metal Jacket. It's like, yeah, he... Oh, maybe... Yeah, but in Full Metal Jacket, he's kind of chubby, right? Is he? Yeah, he's definitely mm-hmm. chubbier. I think he's chubbier. It's almost like he went to the steroid mill and, like, I don't know. He's, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the same from Full Metal Jacket. I think he's definitely a little bit... Uh, beefier? Beefier, yeah. What, like, an odd character, too. How, like, the only way he's, like, willing to be, like, helpful is if this little girl, like appreciates him and like <laughs> thinks he's Thor like it's just such a like I mean it's, it's a quick it's turn it's very cute but yes it goes back awful. to that heart of gold thing you, yeah. you know everyone there's like look at these poor suburban kids in the big bad city we gotta help them out a little bit yeah I mean the guy who stole the car the car he driver. turned out to be a really nice guy you know there was just the yeah. tow truck driver the tr- tow truck driver yeah even though he was crazy all, yeah He's he's an interesting one. He's sort of both because like he shows up right. They they get this flat on the side of the road, you know, like minutes into their journey to go pick up uh, what's her face Brenda, uh, not not Judy Greer, and, um, <laughs> Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're on their way. They get the flat, and he they're, they're on the side of the road for all of you know forty five seconds before this guy shows up in a semi with a hook for a hand, and they're so scared of him. And then he's the nicest guy in the world. Until he decides to go commit second degree murder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shoot the guy who's uh, cheating on his wife or cheating on him with his wife. 
And it's the first of two times in the movie, by the way, where they're like, they're in real trouble. And like, in theory, this person could just pull over and let them out and then go do whatever it is they're going to do. Exactly. Because that happens. Like, he could have just left them on the side of the road, then went to murder his wife. (laughs) Or, and then they get in the hijacked car and he could have like dropped them off anywhere. But he was like, I'm not going to drop you off because it's just not safe here. But let me take you into like my crime garage. (laughs) Totally safe. I don't know what he was like, thinking. Balance the two. Maybe let them out. I right didn't think they were. Arrived. Yeah, didn't think they, that that they were going to be in any kind of danger there. Yeah. When <laughs> he like pulls out serious. his. Yeah, he pulls out his gun and like, hey, hey, two, hey, you know, seven year old, hand me my gun, please. Right. Right. I, I, yeah, it, it's a fun character. I liked that uh, that chop shop scene i think that's a really cool sequence where we get introduced to our primary villains the i don't remember that did they even gave that guy a name that guy's got the best like villain voice ever like i need the numbers from philly or like, i mean he, he is it. like straight out of central casting for the for a yes. mobby like underworld character yes i agree perfect yeah perfect and he's not a stereotype which i like like yeah they could have made it like you know a, a Godfather knockoff Italian, Italian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could yeah. have made him a hood or something, but they didn't. They like he's just like just the world's scariest like sixty year old. Yeah, I mean, found. I mean, the man could never like just his look. He's always a bad guy. I mean, there's no way that he could be anything else. Yeah, he's not gonna be in like a rom com. <laughs> Has he been in anything else? I have no idea. Hold on, I'll look it up. Let me look it up right now. I don't know, but speaking of that, Anthony raps in this, and I loved him in Rent. Yeah, it's an interesting movie choice. That was after this? Yeah, yeah. no, Rent was after this. No, Rent's from the 90s. Yeah, and he was like original, like with Jonathan Davis when they're, I think that's his name, the guy who wrote. Larson. Jonathan Larson. Larson. Yeah, 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 he was. He originated his role, I think. Yeah, he did. He did. And then I think he was in the movie, actually, and he's been in a lot of of stuff. I read that on the trivia. So we're talking about the bad guy, John Davis Chandler, who plays Bleak. That's his character name. Uh-huh. Which was never mentioned in the movie, by <laughs> no, the way. No, no. And that's a perfect, like, name his, for him. His top hits on IMDb besides Adventures in Babysitting. Can you hear me? Now we can. Okay, I said his top hits besides Adventures in Babysitting are Body of Evidence from 1992, The Outlaw Josie Wales from 1976, and one episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Isn't Body of Evidence that Madonna movie that's like triple X or something? I feel like I think that was it's like this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. There was a million movies that in that like late 80s to early 90s corridor. We had three required three words in the title and they were all steamy erotic thrillers. <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know who he plays in it, in that movie. Um I if he's no one idea. of the steamy ones. I seriously doubt he was romantically. <laughs> no. I'll be watching that movie shortly. <laughs> After this. Coming yeah. up next on yeah. this podcast. Uh, yes. Body Body of evidence. Evidence. My newest favorite movie. Our, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, can we t- spend like two minutes talking about like the magazine and like why that like was part of this movie? As, was it just like having like a fake Elizabeth shoe as like a centerpiece? Like. Was that just a plot device? For you like, mean the Playboy? The, yeah, Playboy. the Playboy. Yeah. Having that as a plot device for the numbers 
like that they had to like chase down and having like it look like like I just I'm not sure I understood like that other than just like a funny element. I think it's just a running gag that she happens to be a dead ringer for Miss March. And it was obviously her. And it was was her. Yeah, of course. It was her. I mean, in the prop department, it's her. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, no, I read this on the trivia is they actually, in the middle of filming, they flew her from Toronto to LA and had her take a fully clothed photo shoot at the Playboy Mansion. Oh, and then, and then sort of photoshopped her into a naked body. Okay. I wonder if it's like just something to do with like her, like being a sex symbol at that time. I mean, that was like, no, I guess that was a few years before Cocktail. It's it's the year before Cocktail. Because she, yeah, she went fast from, like, Chris, like, nice babysitter to, like, sexy Cocktail girl. Yeah, I mean, she's had a, a just to sort of park the car with a, on Elizabeth Shue here for a minute. Like, what a wonderful actress she is. She's had, you know, mm-hmm. a great career. She's an Oscar-winning actress. Um, we talked about her once on this show before because we did the, cover The Karate Kid where she's just, like, uh, super lovable um, as she is here, and in the, she's also in the Back to the Future sequels as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, oh yeah, that's she's right. like yeah. sort of like falls into like the Christina Applegate, where she's like the perfect crush for like a fifteen-year-old boy who might, yeah, like you said, is your target audience. Yes, I mean she's obviously she's very good looking, but she's very charming as well. And yeah, you, like you, you definitely root for her in this movie. Like, oh yeah, especially especially when you watch her get her heart stomped on by Bradley Whitford at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you're all, you're immediately on her side. I'm like, okay, her boyfriend is shit, and she deserves better. Someone's like me. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, you fall in love with Elizabeth Shue, and this is one of my favorite scenes from the movie, is the opening the beginning, scene when she's yes. dancing. And I love the like, song. I can't tell you how many times like I did that exact dance after this movie in my room. Like, I wish I had the poster bed. I put the the sheet over my like hair to look like a wedding veil. Like, that was like the best scene, and it was the best like opening. Well, and I love the song ever. is perfect too. It is a perfect song. I mean, perfect. yeah, it's just it's really good. So that was just recreated in like a more recent pop culture. In the um, did you watch the "To All the Boys I Loved" series? Mm-hmm. In the second one, she dances. That's the whole opening. I I we must have watched it, but I don't remember. That yeah, scene. it's the whole opening is she recreates that exact scene. Oh, like dance move for dance move. Yes, that's basically. That, okay, that's fun. Basically, what Amy just said, she recreated at seven years old. That's cute. But the girl would have been in high school, same age. I'm just saying she did the exact same thing you did thirty years ago. Yeah. I mean, it tells you everything you need to know about the character. And it's it's one of those things that's important that lets you know, like, she is just 17, right? She's, you know, she's not ready to face what this movie is about to throw at her. Uh, this level of responsibility of, like, uh-oh, she's in charge. And, like, so immediately, like I said, they they run into trouble. Like, the, the Murphy's Law machine kicks in so fast where it's like, okay, you've got the flat tire. They have, you know, they realize she left her purse at home. She has no money or ID. Which is astounding. Uh, they ran the door that fast. Yeah, and like, and now, like, and now they have no car. The car is broken, so now they know. Okay, not only do we, do we need to get the friend, get home, and get the car fixed, so mom doesn't know anything happened. Uh oh, and then there's a new thing wrinkle. They have to now unwrinkle on their way home, right? Uh, and as it just keeps piling up until we get to that scene in the chop shop. Can I also just mm-hmm. say as 
three out of the four of us are parents of young children. I have literally let one babysitter ever drive my children and they drove my car and she was over the age of 30. I can't imagine a babysitter being 17 and taking my kids like but to I don't think Hagen she was Dust. supposed to take it take they the said anymore. you could go to Hagen Dust. oh our kids are so much younger than the kids quote unquote in this movie like how old like, is what, Sarah? She's, I don't think she's older she's than not, 10, but she's not. She can't be like, you know. se- I mean, she's not like, cele- like we, our daughter's seven and she does not seem like a seven year old. She's, it's a little indeterminate because again, the, like the Thor stuff, it gets so fantastical, like her thinking, like she yeah. kind of like, very, sometimes she's like, she's a wiseacre, sassy kid who knows what's up. And other yeah. times she's like talking to Vincent D'Onofrio, you are, you actually are Thor. It's like. You yeah. also know Santa Claus isn't real, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know what age everybody is supposed to be either. Like, I feel like Chris looks so much older than a teenager to me. Well, That's the definitely hair. like a senior in high school because they say like, would, isn't there one point where he's like, would you ever talk to like a sophomore? Oh, like, I feel he's like he's a freshman. Kind of referenced is he a freshman? A freshman? He's a freshman. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So he would be like 14, 15, I guess. She was 17, 18. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And Tanya, I just want to respond to like, yeah, I, I think I let a babysitter take my kids one time and I freaked out the entire time until they were back. Like kids in the car with someone other than family is terrifying. So I I feel you on that one. But it was the eighties. We'd let them do just about anything. Uh, At least our parents let us do that stuff. Uh, I, I, but getting sort of back to the the chop shop, and then we get to this thing with the the Playboy with like the secret codes in it. Like it's such a weird little MacGuffin of. It like, is a MacGuffin. Gonna, I mean, we're huh? I was agreeing. Yes, it's a MacGuffin. Oh, oh, you agree? Yeah. Like, but it's just funny to me that they're like, "Thank God we put all our crime in one place." <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? No one knows. It's that we have to have the numbers from Philly. I'm like, what possibly could matter that much? <laughs> Like how many cars they're gonna steal? You it's know, gotta be some kind of a ledger, yeah. or maybe like it the reminds, money that they're getting. It or reminds something. me of Gone in sixty seconds, where they have like the chalkboard. It reminds me of Gone in sixty. Oh, you, you don't know, remember we heard that? You. I just, oh, I, we just I have no memory. Stunned by oh. your. Uh, I just don't have a memory of that movie. I've seen it once. <laughs> I think I saw it on a plane. <laughs> I, that I feels like a plane actually, movie. Actually, I, I saw it on a plane once, and I don't remember it at all. Well, I think I it's a great movie. It's fun. Oh, it was gone from my mind in 60 it, seconds. Wow. Yes, yes. It was. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that I forgot the second it made, made it to the credits. Yeah, but Anthony Rapp is such a horn dog in this oh, movie. Yeah. It's in such a hilarious way of like, wow. Like, I mean, I was horny as a teenager, but I think I... I would keep it together oh, yeah. if I was in the middle of like crime town, like maybe not the the time to grab the, the nudie mag. Well, he had to replace the nudie mag that got thrown out the window. I mean, he needed that magazine so his dad wasn't going to be mad at him, right? For the stolen Playboy. I mean, although yeah, it, yeah. I guess I guess it, his dad would have would have realized that one of his Playboys was missing. I don't know. I mean, I like, would think who, that they, who cares that much about Playboy? Well, like, now you took with my like, Playboy. well now with 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 the anything access, yeah, nobody was care. I mean, Playboy, I think it's gone anyway. But um, yeah, I don't. A know. A lot of things about this movie just don't work. Like it wouldn't work now. Oh no! Because, it would just have to be like, a different thing. You would tell Brenda to get an Uber. Like, <laughs> and the cell phone. Yeah. Like, the fact yeah. that Brenda just like roams around like 
without eyesight and how does she know what time to go outside because she's outside waiting when like chris pulls up i know i, mean, I know i was there's like the a lot of thing. particulars that don't work for me well there's not one other human on earth she could call <laughs> yeah. I, know, it's, yeah. I only have one friend that's it <laughs> Well, and then she, like, she ran away, but she made it to the bus station in downtown Chicago. It just, it's, it's somewhat fantastical, but it's, whatever, you know, it makes it It's still fun. funny. It's, it's still, still fun. Worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, this sad rescue mission for her. Uh, and then we get our, we, they escape into the, the, into uh, the blues bar. Yeah, the best scene of the movie. That's the best, the best scene of the whole yes. bar. Oh, the whole movie. Do we know? Is that a famous uh, blues guy? Uh, he he feels like he must be, but Agreed. I, I I couldn't cl- uh, clock him who it was. I didn't I see anything on my trivia that um, I just love. I just love that he opened it like nobody gets out here with sing- without singing the blues. Like there's an audience of like fifty people. It's gonna take forever <laughs> to get all of them out until <laughs> yeah. they all get up there and do their song. It's just a weird scene that it just starts oh, out like it's so charming. Oh no, though. it's a good scene, but it's just like the the logical like leaps to like nope, we're we're gonna the singer is gonna force these strangers who just wandered on the stage, children like no, <laughs> you have to sing blues now. Yep, that's what's happening. And you but they, who wanted they, to be like I wanted to be thrown into that situation. I wanted to sing the blues too. Like it works because of that. Yeah, and I could totally, especially since. They've never probably heard the blues before, never experienced it, never been to a bar, never done anything, and they're able to just get up there and and go with it. Well, I, this is kind of confused back into the stuff you were saying earlier, Tanya, about, like, everyone you meet is sort of scary with a heart of gold. Yeah. Or, like, in this scene, it's, like, it's the audience. Like, yeah. you think, oh, this audience is, like, going to turn on them, boo them, or something, you know, or... Or, but the band kind of like has their back and like everyone is sort of like wants them to succeed. Like the audience is like, you know, they're not going to tear them down. Like they want to see them pull off this song. So it's, it ends up feeling sweet. It's like at the Apollo, you you look out and it's kind of like the same thing. It's like, are they going to, uh, you know, at the Apollo theater, are they going to boo them off the stage mm-hmm. or are they going to clap them and, and, you know, make them... Uh enjoy it so his name the blues guy is albert collins and he won a he won a grammy for being a blues guitarist in 1987 and he he was also yeah he also was on the soundtrack of mrs doubtfire oh well that makes sense that's a chris columbus movie and green book oh and casino Oh, Green Book. I Those love are that. His, that was a great movie. So he's still, he's still kicking then. That's recent. Well, Green Book is recent. 18, yeah. That's what I mean. Good for him. Uh, but I you, think Oh, wait, you he's... mean his song is on the soundtrack or he's like on the no, soundtrack? No, it says soundtrack. soundtrack, but I think he passed away. Well, yeah, I was going to say, they could put Chuck Berry on the soundtrack too. He ain't yeah. coming back to life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... But still, again, I mean, it's, again, great scene. And I love that, like, you know, we we as they're doing it, we see all of the villains... The you know uh, Mr. Bleak uh, I guess and uh, his sec- the guy who's like his second in command and then uh, Joe Gibbs the the nice one uh, they're kind of filtering around in the back of the crowd and, and you, the film gives you enough time to go like all right so what's going to happen when they stop singing how are they going to get out of this 
And and I just love that the the solution is just to have that guy go up to them and go like, no, no, you have to sing a song. I just <laughs> yes. wish there's like a deleted sing where we see whatever it is. Oh, they that did. would be funny. yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that would <laughs> that would be funny. no. But instead, it's like really just like him hitting the guitarist in the face and running out. Like probably yeah. that's <laughs> when yeah. I when I rewatched it today, I was actually waiting for that kind of a scene where you see them like. Either the bad guy's getting pushed out or the bad guy's pushing out the band leader or something. I didn't remember the the logistics of that scene. Um, But going to Joe Gipp, Doug, I like that throughout this movie, he is just pleasantly, like, observing these kids just kind of get out of each situation. And he's sort of lightly pushing them, lightly helping them without getting too in trouble on his own behalf. But... He's just amused, and and it's I, it's very charming. It's, it goes back oh, to that heart 100%. of gold. Yeah, um, yeah, it's cute. He's like yeah. smirking on the stairs when yeah. they're like crossing the rafters. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very cute. He wants them to succeed. He wants yeah, them absolutely. to get away. Yeah, and they have the, a lot of those good like kind of Chris Columbus physical gags that will show up later and stuff like Home Alone, where like. As they're walking across that girder, he like scuffs some like rust, and it just goes into the guy's coffee, yeah. and he just drinks it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I remember. Like, there's a lot of the, like sort of little mini Home Alone type gags like that, or the whole the end scene, which we can get to, where Sarah's on the outside and the parents are inside at the party. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, slapsticky stuff in that scene. Uh, they, which they do a good job of, of uh, ratcheting up the tension there. I do want to save that for the end a little bit because we're still sort of ahead of that. Yeah. We're, we're about to go into the frat party scene, as I recall. Do we do frat party and then train? Oh, you're right. Or Maybe is it it's, no, it's the train. It's the train first. Okay, because I do love, like, one of the best lines from the movie is in the train scene when she's like, don't fuck with the babysitter, and she gets them, like, off the train. Oh, excuse me. I couldn't help but notice that you two groups of people are about to start killing each other and I was wondering if you could please just wait on that until we could get off the train sit down bitch bitch sit down are you gonna let him get away with that wait a minute I was kidding uh, that was really rude uh, take it back apologize Let's stay out of this he called you a bitch Fred shut up hey listen to the bitch Brad <laughs> watch your mouth Big city scum sucker. You just can't keep your foot out your mouth, can you, boy? Let me help. Don't fuck with the lords of hell. Don't fuck with the babysitter. (laughs) All right, baby, chill out. But on on Disney Plus, they've like totally taken that out. I was just so it does say not that. hit the same, and they've like totally because they call her a witch and not a bitch. All of yeah. a sudden, because I was watching it uh, at my office, I didn't know it was on Disney Plus. Okay, that's how I watched it, and all of a sudden, I was like, that didn't deliver exactly no, no, right. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't hit as well. Yeah, and then you see the boys being like, "Are you going to stand for that?" Yeah, they called her a witch. And I, I, I kind of took a double take and started watching it and really realized, yeah, no, 
Disney uh, whitewashed that scene. And and it sucks because some some of some of the some of the bad stuff should be whitewashed. I mean, there were a couple of, like homophobic slurs in there, like oh, were they? that Disney kind of like washed over. Yeah, I'm sure Disney's not going to allow that owns Marvel now is not going to allow Thor's a homo. <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what. Um and but yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't hit as well because of what they, you know, what they come back with, but but I love the train scene. I bet that version of the movie is probably the one that was, you know, created for for TV and stuff. It's like when you watch Die Hard on TV and he finally gets to the rousing line at the end and he goes, "Yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon." And you go, <laughs> "No." No. I've never seen Die Hard on t- on the television. Oh, yeah, I don't know. The television version. I love I love Die Hard. The first time I encountered that was actually watching Die Hard 2 on TV where of course he repeats his famous catchphrase. Yeah. And that it, and, and so that's when I saw it. He goes Gippy Kaye, Mr. Falcon and I'm like what? Who's Mr. Falcon? <laughs> that's, that's not a character in you the would movie. Think, yeah, you would think yeah. that they could come up with something like better for him to say, but and just yippee kaye, and then yeah, stop, and then throw the lighter on the gas, and the plane blows up. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's funny, Tanya, that that's not there. But that scene in the train is is but like this conception of like what gangs were like from movies from the eighties and uh, early nineties. It's like they're all like no one's an actual gang. They're all this these like costumed weirdos with a really strong gimmick, like the Warriors. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's all, yeah, it's very, it's... I, I like that they had to sort of count down to the territory, like, ooh, we're crossing Franklin. <laughs> One more stop until I stab you. Yes. It wouldn't be legit if he stabbed him 10 seconds before, right? Right. And then, and then the end result is when the, the dagger falls in his toe. Yeah. And he, he just needs one stitch. <laughs> Which I thought yeah. was a fantastic button on, on the whole scene was just one stitch. Yeah. And the fact that they thought he would actually die from the stab wound. Like how afraid they Oh, were. yeah. When the, when, when the world's t- most beleaguered doctor comes out and says, like, I'm sorry, he, oh, he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like, they, they can't possibly. It couldn't have been a mistake. He did die. Like that does, never crosses their mind. I love that doctor, by the way. That, that performance of just he's from a different movie. It feels like because he's extra cartoony, um, but it's just so funny for him. Just like you know, I forget what he says to uh, to Brad, but it's just so funny as he's like, he's like, because he, he wishes he got more stitches mm-hmm. to be more manly. It's like, he's like, Chris isn't stitch. gonna think much of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. moment. It's fun. And then we get something that also kind of ties into things like Home Alone, where I feel like because that's when they run back into Mister. Yeah, the ham. Yeah, Is Mr. Right? Pru- right, Mr. Pruitt, the ham, the our happy-go-lucky uh, murderer. He's <laughs> like, I'm on the way. I actually murder anybody. But that feels like a Home Alone thing, in that I think it seems like doesn't um, Catherine O'Hara have stuff like that where it's like she cross crosses paths with someone she's crossed paths with before, in you know a new context. John Candy. No, no she. I, yeah, no, I guess she doesn't. Right, she doesn't. No, okay, really maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm mixing up but my Chris like, Columbus movies. I can't believe, like, as far as they've traveled, that's the closest hospital for Mr. Pruitt to end up at. Like, this, that's a little bit, like, hard to believe that they would be at the same hospital, but... 
I'll, I'll admit my knowledge of Chicago geography is uh, <laughs> it's lacking. Off. Mine is too, but like even just being in like our city, like yeah, there's hospital. There's way more hospitals. Like, it, 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 of course, it's a ridiculous coincidence, but that that's a, the tone of the movie allows for things like sure. that to happen. So, I mean, it's all there's a ton of ridiculous coincidences throughout the entire movie. You know. Yep. Right. So. I think so it, that's, now we get to the frat party. The, the frat party scene, which is another amazing scene. Because she I has to this. go to the bathroom because she couldn't go to the bathroom at the hospital. So she has to pee really bad. So <laughs> well, please, <laughs> you have little kids too. How often are they not going to the bathroom when you ask them? Like today. Oh, yeah, and two seconds later, it's like the most they've ever had to pee. Already clicked right. in Sammy into his car seat at the train station, and then he's like, Mommy, I have to pee. Come on. Are there <laughs> bathrooms on the train? Did it matter? He only wanted to go at the most inconvenient time, a la Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that when they're in line for the bathroom, she sees the person with, like, the Viking hat, and they, like, kind of do, like, a cute little nod to each other. <laughs> they're, both, they're both big on Norse mythology. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, so when she meets the guy, like, I wanted to have, like, I loved that guy. I can't think of his name now. Oh, he's super nice. It's not Josh Charles, but it's basically like, oh, he's from Scandal. It's George Newbern. Yeah. um, Who like, I just loved him. I mean, I, I, I literally had dreams about like this actor, (laughs) like about like, (laughs) what kind of dream? This is somebody you knew, you knew their name, you knew his name. Well, cause we watched Scandal like within the last five years and I was like the same actor. Um, Oh, okay. I didn't even remember that. But, like, I I loved him. And I don't even think it was, like, him. It was, like, the idea of, like, going to a party and meeting a guy. And then he shows up at my house later. And it was just, like, I had such a crush on this guy. He was in Father of the Bride, too. Oh, he was, he? The, he was the bride. He was, he was, the, yeah, he the, was in Father of the, the Room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking right. at him right now. Yeah, I, he was yeah. in that. Yeah. Well, he's just so, like, kind at a moment. They desperately need someone to be kind to them. And, and it's he's just yeah. such the opposite of her boyfriend. And everyone else at the party. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Her boyfriend. And not at all creepy that he's, like, 19 and she's 17. But that's okay. While Anthony Rapp is uh, getting, yeah. You expect him to be going into this. The, oh, he's going to be the pretend nice guy until he tries to get her up into the room. But no, he's just kind of pure of heart. Yeah, pure, like, good guy. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah. And, uh, to the point where, like, he gives them the ride to the uh, the, the garage mm-hmm. yeah. to go get their car. And, and then at the end, like, he doesn't even, when they're parting, he doesn't even ask for her number. Yeah. You know, she, he's just like, maybe <laughs> I'll see her around. Chance. He knows he's in a rom-com, and he knows it's going to work out. <laughs> I, I, all I kept like wanting to like, scream at the screen is, like, just ask her for her number. Yeah. Just do it. You know, uh, or for her to ask him. But, yeah, he just kind of, like, wanders off. And, fortunately, he has a Cinderella in the back of his seat, you know, in that form yeah. of that roller mm-hmm. skate. The roller yeah. skate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that happens at that frat party, though, the, especially with Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp, like with the girl and he's drinking the popcorn which is funny <laughs> yeah hey guys I must be hallucinating is anybody else here talking penis <laughs> <laughs> hey speaking of penises do you know how the playboy unabashed dictionary defines oral gratification I do I think 
he's a fun character. I mean, he's like a horn dog, but I, I, I like I like his. I think he adds comedic relief a lot of times, and I like his character. What I read on the trivia was that they dyed his hair brown or red um, because because his natural color is blonde, and they thought if they kept him blonde, it would be too much Anthony Michael Hall callback. Oh, but that's exactly the same kind of character. You get that same sort of element as you would from an Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, he does have, although Anthony Michael Hall tended to play nerdier characters usually, but every once in a while, yeah, they would make him, like, he's, obviously he's a horn dog in, like, was it Weird Science? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they make their way out of the frat party. They extricate uh, Anthony Rapp before he un- unwittingly causes someone to commit statutory rape. <laughs> and, uh... We <laughs> go down to the, the we garage. We go to the garage and meet Thor. We get the car back. Yeah, after he, like, he stopped short of giving it to their, uh, it, again, uh, George Newbern is nice enough to give them, he has $45, they need 50 to give it to him out of his own pocket. Would, you know. Or he hunts it down from his frat buddies. Right, but they're five short, and the guy's like, no, I want my $5 until Sarah turns on the cute with him. Yeah. Like, what an ass. <laughs> yeah, total ass, but I get it. He's a small business. Yeah, I mean, he, and that <laughs> five dollars. Trying to make a living. That five dollars in nineteen eighty seven was a lot more than it's to, it is today. So, still though, you see like stranded children. I think you probably help them. It. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and help, which he does eventually. Yeah. But. Well, they had to bring the Thor stuff back together. It was that was clever. Like I kept wondering, like they're they're investing a lot in this Thor shit, and it can't all just be for the Viking hat joke. Like that's. So I like that there was a, an actual meaningful plot payoff for that. And now they're on their way back, and they realize that the car, they happen to see the car. Yes. And that car is actually, was Bradley Whitford in real life. That really? said so oh. cool. Really? really? IMD trivia is amazing. Huh. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really glad we got this scene because I thought that maybe it was just going to be that, I mean, I guess, I guess it kind of had to happen that we knew her boyfriend was lying. Um, I mean, what a, like I knew a dream it scene. But it, I didn't know that the plot was going to give, how that was going to give it back to us. And it was like, oh, they're actually going to stumble upon him at this restaurant. And yeah. it's also been like. Oh, it's 1145 a, at yeah, night and they're like eating dinner. Yeah. And they're still having dinner. <laughs> like, yeah. how long is this meal? But Maybe it's love it. Maybe it's like. Perfect love or something. Who knows? It's an eighteen course meal. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what like the, like the dream moment to get to like basically, you know, tell this guy off. And I love that she has the restraint to eventually say like, you know, I'm not. Or, or is it? It's um Brad who like gives him the speech. No, it's says, the. Right? I'm not. Oh yeah, you know. he gives yeah. the speech, but Anthony Rapp punches him, pushes him with his foot or something. Yeah, so they oh. both. Which is such a cute, like, redeeming moment that they're both standing up for her. Um, for her, yeah. Right. And you know, she she deserves better than you. You know all that stuff. Yeah. Look, little girl. I don't know what you thought we had, but it wasn't half as serious as you like to think it was. All right, you like go over. Geez, you're picking them kind of young, aren't you? This kid's got more class at fifteen than you'll ever have. You're such a loser. Here we go again. I can only dream of having somebody like Chris for a girlfriend. But but you've got her. And you treat her like this? 
Don't waste your time, half pint. Her legs are locked together at the knee. <laughs> I'd love to hit you. I'd love to pound on your face. Yeah? Go ahead. But I won't. <laughs> You're so slimy, I won't sink to your level. I will. Oh, that's just great. See you around, Mike. But at no point is he even apologetic. He's like, yeah, what did you think? We were in a serious relationship. Like, he was just from... Bradley Whitford just knows how to be an asshole. And just knows exactly... He plays that just to, to the pitch yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he definitely looked like he was 30, by the way. <laughs> they all, well, <laughs> again, it's the 80s. It's, there's something I mean, about yeah. the clothes and the hair. I mean, Chris, Chris to me looked like she was... 32. I don't know. They were in their mid-20s. They were in their mid-20s. Okay. Yeah, they still look like they're older than we are now. Um, yeah. Because of that hair and it's stuff. the but, hair, yeah. But, like, he is, like, Bradley Whitford's character is exceptionally shitty here because when, because he makes it very clear why he's doing it because when Brad is saying, you know, singing her praises, mm-hmm. he says something like, you know, come on, kid. She's, like, locked at the knees. Yeah. Or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, however he phrases it. But basically, like, oh, she won't give me hot and cold running vagina, so I'm free to cheat on her. Yeah, vagina With on someone named demand. Sesame. Is that her name? Is it, it Sesame? It's Sesame. Yeah. That's At her first. In my, I was like, oh, I think it's Celeste, and I was like, oh no, and then uh, he says it, and it's Sesame. Right, Tanya? You I'm looking. Her? Hold on. I'm now. I'm looking. I, I it's like Sesame Plexer or something like that. Oh, I thought I, maybe I misheard it. That's huh. It didn't stick out to me as weird at the time. It was weird. It was I, weird. I, yeah, it didn't stick out to me as weird either, but, I mean, Sesame is weird. Sesame. Well, it's known for opening. Sesame. So, I guess that fits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is Sesame. Mm-hmm. What a, yeah, okay. interesting, interesting And name. she's also, like, nonplussed about it. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board with that word. Yeah, my vagina's definitely open for business. Yeah. And, she's fine about that. And she has my no problem. are not loud. She has no problem screwing over Chris. I mean, we don't know what their relationship is like. There is no girl code there. None. Oh, yeah. The moment moment she was like, uh, Sesame Pillocks or whatever. You could see just how much Chris, there was no love lost between the two of them. Yeah. So then Sarah steals the eclair and runs off to find her parents. Oh, no. She runs off to go to the, the the toy store. And then she runs into Bleak. Right, right. Yeah. She separates <laughs> a bleak, and then she runs off to her parents. Which the building looks like. I, I sound like I'm shitting on this movie. I love this movie, but it seems like the movie is like five miles away, and she somehow is able to to navigate her way there. Well, well, part of that is obviously they wanted to get in this famous Chicago landmark because Chicago is, you know, that's as you mentioned, right? It feels like a character in the movie, and that yeah. again, like Chris Columbus likes setting movies in Chicago. Again, that Home Alone is set in Chicago. A lot of yeah, a lot of Ferris Bueller. There's a lot, a lot of movies around that time were set in Chicago. That's because they were all Chris Columbus. Okay. Oh no, John Hughes. That's no, John, John Hughes. Hughes did a, he had a lot of. That's because yeah. where he grew up too. John yeah. Hughes is uh, Ferris Bueller, but the um, the they did not shoot it in Chicago. They shot it in Toronto, so they had to do an effect shot for that to make that they work. Just did exteriors then. Yeah. On the other hand, you could have just had like literally anyone. 
with a camera go out and take a shot of Chicago at night. Yeah, it's not like she was actually on that building. Just have a B unit director. (laughs) (laughs) So she runs off to the building. Yeah. They find her because of her cape and the chocolate. Yeah, I mean, they're very, very lucky that, like, they were headed in the right direction to find that at all. Yeah. And I for, even there's even then there's a little like hey that's mom and dad's building or whatever yeah. that's where she's gonna go she could have <laughs> it has but the plot has to work so I'm curious because clearly they all have a good amount of money at least that family does the kids parents oh yeah they got a three car garage when they said yeah when they said oh that's their building do you think they just work there or is that their building I mean I genuinely was like they are so rich they just the dad or mom work has a job in the building that's how I read that yeah Yeah. only because uh I I guess if they had if they owned the building they would have been on the top floor which they're not yeah yeah I never read it like that that they owned the building at all it was just I mean and that would be if they owned the building I think they would have been a lot swankier of neighborhood and drive a lot swankier of a car and all right but i do know a lot a lot of like i went to college with a lot of people from chicago and the chicago suburbs are you know that's they're especially like the north suburbs are really really nice and that it looks like north suburb like you know lake forest or somewhere like that 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 they're that they're in yeah yeah but then we get to this sort of the movie kind of splits into two tracks as we're following Sarah having the, you know, uh, scare of a lifetime, you know, hanging out of this building on a rope. And then the rest of them, you know, they, they know it's one of two floors. They pick the wrong one and they wind up at the party. Yeah. And yeah, it's (laughs) such a great scene, especially when you have the best part of that is that the bad guy is stuck behind like an omelet bar or whatever that is. (laughs) You know, I don't know what it is, but it's—is it just the regular bar? I figure it looked more like a cake. There was like a plate of food in front of him or something. Yeah. But yeah, he's so clearly he out of place. To, like, he's so socially awkward. He's just like repeats the thing. She's like, "Do you work here?" And he's like, "Work here." Like he just doesn't know how to like have a conversation with yeah, anybody. Like, yeah. You're a criminal. You've lied before. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, and, and in Chicago, everybody's taking improv classes in Chicago. He's got to. <laughs> yeah. You should have been fine. Um, but yeah, that, the, his delivery on that stuff, it is very funny because it's like they're talking to a mummy. Like, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It's hilarious. I um, I'm more, I more want to spend time on the fact that, like, Sarah's so terrified of this crime guy that she chooses to go out the window. Yes. Like, rather yeah. than accept the fate of whatever this guy is going to do to her. Or, like, run to the elevator or any other choice. Like, there's no circumstance where I'm going out that fucking window. Like, no. No. That is, like, no. terrifying. Because uh, there's, I mean, that's, like, there's a possibility that being with the guy, you could, like, make it out of there. You going out the window, it's pretty much, like, game over. There's nowhere to go. There's, there's nowhere, nowhere to go. Yeah, where she think she's gonna like get down to her parents floor and then like bust her way through the window like i don't understand her thought in this yeah and she should have known enough she should have seen enough like comic books to know that this was like a bad idea there was another alternative but it worked out it did work out. well yes of course if it hadn't this would have been quite the turn (laughs) yeah if she fell from like the 30th floor that would have been yeah that would have definitely changed the changed the course of that movie (laughs) and then when he like just jumping ahead because this scene like i always like we always use these words when he like the brother rescues her in the window 
and he's she's like, oh, Brad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Said I, that I, line yeah. in my house. It's like she loves him oh, so Brad. much. Yeah, yeah. Aww. It's cute. It is cute. Which is nice because there isn't really a lot of like sibling rivalry between them at any point. Like they're not. They're a not... little bit because she she teases him for like liking the girl. Yeah, but it's not like they're not like against each other. That's like, what I mean. Yeah, there's like definitely a team. There's teasing, but there's no antagonism. No, and I think it's that they're far enough apart age wise, and they're different sexes. So yeah. I think that's that's probably. But I agree. Yeah, it's there's like, not much. There's like, not much rivalry. It's like the brother and sister in Hocus yeah. Pocus. I think Ryan's that's a good. Got it. That actually is a good. Yeah, I like that poll. Like, I think there's a version of this script where you know that oh, Brad was the the like reconciliation from some conflict from earlier, and I think it, the movie's better. For not having that, there's enough going on that that I think oh, would yeah. have weighed it down. You wouldn't have rooted for them as much if they were like really bickering the entire time. That would have, I think, that would have made the movie a whole lot less fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just having like thoughts of like how in Jurassic Park, and now I think we should add that movie to our. Oh, next of course, Ooh, I love Park Jurassic Park. Uh, but those two siblings, there is like zero sibling rivalry between those two mm. too. Yeah, no, they're they're a team. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're fighting for your life against T Rex, yeah, yeah, or against Bleak, you better be. <laughs> would, you, would you rather be fighting against crime family or dinosaurs? Well, you say that, but you know, I can't. I mean, I'm not pulling one immediately from memory, but God, there's countless movies where people are up against some threat from ranging from like street level, you know, criminal stuff to like to paranormal, you know, aliens or ghosts or like world ending shit and they're bickering the whole fucking time yeah and it's like at first it's like oh i think they're going for like you know comic repartee but at a certain point it's like fucking focus the world's on the line yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they're worried about um, something small and and it becomes like just aggravating to watch and so that that's a real tough line to sort of walk. They should be more realistic, like dinosaurs chasing you. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that to be more... I'm saying the response to the danger. Is I, like, you can't... Yeah. You, if, if they're bickering the whole time, I think that weighs stuff like that down a lot. I think, though, if my brother and I were battling a T-Rex or a mob boss, we would not stop bickering. But I think Amy and her brother would be able to... Te- I mean, Jonathan and I could team up but we wouldn't stop being able to, like, yell at each other. Amy and her brother would not have that. And that's an age gap thing. I think it's just a, like, we don't fight, really. And you guys have that. Like, your relationship is more, like, you guys, I mean, I don't know if fighting's the right word, but your your relationship is a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and again, it's that kind of thing where it's like, maybe where you won't, there's, you know when it happens in a movie where your brain's going, now's not the time. Like literally, the, like like the you're in the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park, and they are going to pounce on you if they hear you, you know. And then they're still going, you know. And Tanya and her brother are probably like bitching <laughs> yeah, at each other. No, I say you shut the fuck up. Doug Doug saying uh, there, you know, there's a time and a place. I I whisper to Ryan, there's always a time to fight with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you guys would have survived. I was going to say, mm-hmm. Doug, just wait until our podcast on Rocky, whenever we do that. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, oh, Jonathan's doing Oh, my doing God. Podcast on Rocky. 
Oh, I that, think, like, that Tan- could be fun. Tanya probably would have just thrown Jonathan to like the T Rex and gotten the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder that there would have been like a team. I would have like yeah. I would have th- thrown thrown the fork by him and banged the metallic thing and ran the other way. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so we get to the end here that we get Joe who helps, or what I like is that, so they pull him to safety. It's interesting that the, uh, the second in command guy whose name escapes me, it's like his goal is to kill this girl, right? Because they all saw the inside of their operation. They have to die. And it's like, he gets her, she's basically about to do it to herself. And then he's like, no, I'm going to throw her No, he needs to get the book. That's the only reason why he gets out because yeah. she's got the backpack on. And oh, he he's got the, the pl- she's got the Playboy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there is a at the very end of the movie. I don't. We didn't watch it, but he is like on the roof at the end of the movie, like after the credits. Yeah. Oh, okay. really? scene with him just like on the window, like mm. fucking terrified. Oh. <laughs> that's that's a cute little stinger. Yeah, for a well, that, I didn't actually know. Yeah. That. I didn't know that either. That's a post. We did not get. Scene. We don't get resolution on that. Like they don't go to jail for child endangerment or you know assault or kidnapping or anything yeah. else. Or car theft, mob. grand yeah. theft auto, or anything. Yeah. And I really would have taken. Like I don't think Chris would have turned them in. I think she would have just like, here's no. the Playboy. We're getting the hell out of here. No, but I could have seen a scene. You know, like they're when we we see them like they're running out of the building to get you know where they need to go, and oh. we see a, just at, you know on the left side of the frame cops putting this guy into the back of a car oh yeah you know you could have had that but we we don't get that resolution it's just like we got to go get penelope ann miller and like the movie's very efficient like they get them into trouble quickly and then once the, you know they've rescued sarah from the building it's like let's go we got to get got to get the, it's like the, sort of like the end of ferris bueller where it's just like oh no the clock you know we got five i feel like they will the yeah they have to get it there it's like we want this movie to be 90 minutes and it like went to like I don't know 75 and they're like shit we Gotta need to finish this so let's go and let's make all this stuff happen very very quickly and get it resolved and be done but it works because it's such a fast pace there's yes. never a dull moment no, yeah, and that's it does. what keeps your interest the entire time well and we know that the parents are leaving the party so now it's yeah. like it's, we're really out of time right right so it, yeah it's a great little like you know race home you know get everybody what I love is they get them up to bed and then the parents, you know, come home and they talk to Sarah for a bit and she goes up there and like, they're all still like huddled. Like, do we get away with it? Yeah. You know, that, like, it's cool. They're not just <laughs> do like, we really pajamas, do this? Like, yeah. But they're not in pajamas. The lights aren't off and they're watching TV. Like they weren't even pretending to sleep. So no. I, I, I think that's, I don't think they had to be in bed. Like they didn't have to be. Asleep. They just I mean, had to be upstairs. Was, it was what one o'clock in the morning. The curfew was one o'clock. I think the parents said we'll be home by one. Yeah, so we're taking did. them at their word that they are home at one. So a ten a.m. Just... a ten year old up at one. That seems like a failure by the babysitter. So I'm just saying that <laughs> that's yeah. a bit. Rough. I mean, I don't know that she's the best babysitter, but she did save them. Well, she left yeah. the house to pick up Brenda. I mean, that was like, he probably shouldn't have done that, but. Brenda should have, yeah, Brenda should have figured it out on her own. Yeah. yeah she literally, she could have done a lot of different things to solve that problem other than saying, we have to go rescue Brenda ourselves. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, or even say like, hey, sit tight. I got to sit here till one. And then I'm, you're my first stop. Like, 
you know, what's really going to happen to her in the bus yeah. station. But And really quick, before we get off, Brenda, and I forget to mention it, like, I have zero knowledge of what spiking a tab with Drano meant. Because we don't call Pepsi, like, tab here in California. No, no, no. Uh, so, that's a brand. No, I understand. Oh, okay. So, like, I had no idea what, like, a tab was. Like, I didn't drink that, like... Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. And talk about like a nice 80s signifier too, like to, to name check Tab. Tab, Cola. yeah. Yeah. I mean, do they still make that? I don't even think they still they make They might. That. I think it I think it might still exist in some very, you know, limited form. Yeah. But who knows if it even tastes the way it tasted back then. Like, I'm sure I drank it at some point. Never. I don't know. You know, I've, never. I've had a few RC Colas in my time, but. And then we get the resolution of the the boy. Right. George Newbern comes back and delivers the skate. The skate. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi. How did you know that I was... I thought the little girl might be missing this. She left it in the back seat. You came all the way out here just to return this? Actually, I was... Oh, oh, you came for the money. No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm looking for a babysitter. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think tonight was my last job. Oh. That's too bad. Who is the babysitter for? Me. Maybe retirement can wait. And then we get the song. And then we get the song. And he walked up to me and he asked me if I wanted to dance. Yeah. Yeah, the soundtrack to this movie is, I mean, it is, you, there's something that tells me, like, this is just like Chris's playlist. You know, the, oh, yeah. Chris Columbus's playlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, there's a bunch of doo-wop songs. There's a lot of blues songs, which I feel like are hallmarkers of his. Um, the only cue that I thought was out of place is that when George Newbern drives them to the garage, you get the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter, which is like one of my all-time favorite songs, but it just felt like, oh, this feels like it's for Scorsese movies only. Yeah. Like, it's a very, yeah, yeah, it was an odd needle An odd pick to me. With, with how, yeah, I, I, I agree. But overall, yeah, an impeccable soundtrack, yeah, I think. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, guys, we've come to the end of the movie, and so... Uh, we're right about time on the podcast, so I'll, I'll ask each of you. You know, why do you think it is that people still love Adventures and Babysitters, uh, Adventures and Babysitting, uh, all these years later? Um, Tanya, you want to start? I think it's it just it's in the name. I think the, the, just having this adventure that's just a lot of fun and it's neat and tidy. You know, you, you know everything's gonna come out okay. Um, I, I I just think it's a you know you get a ninety minutes of fun before you. Go off to something else. Okay. Ryan? Uh, I think, you know, the cars might be different. The time of, you know, when this took place is different. The technology is different. But what's, but there's a lot that's the same. And every, we still have babysitters. You know, everybody's had a babysitter. Everybody has had an aspirational, like, adventure that they've wanted to go on even though you know it's not in a station wagon it's now in like a tesla but it's still the 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 tenants of the movie 
are timeless. And I think that that's why it still resonates with so many people today. Yeah. These are likable kids. It's a likable cast. It's just nonstop fun. Um, And you wanted to be on that adventure with them. And I don't think, I think I'd still want to be on that adventure with them. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is an, this is an aspirational thing for kids in this movie where, you know, if, if I'm a kid and I'm being babysat, first of all, my parents are gone, so I'm I'm always hoping that something interesting will happen that would not happen if they were there. Right. And the you combine that with with this Murphy's Law thing we've touched on over and over again, where like it's almost like the grown up version of something like a Roadrunner cartoon, where like the the movie keeps finding a way to heighten the comedic problem over and over until you keep thinking like, okay, well that's because each problem they get into is not like a, they, they resolve the previous problem and are onto a new one. Each one is added on top of the old one to know that it's like, okay, they're going to have to unfuck their way you know, through all of these layers to get back to, you know, a safe and happy ending. Right. Uh, and the, those two things together are like, it's the best possible fantasy of what could happen if your parents leave for the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, I think there's a good reason why you guys kept coming back to it. I'm sure I'll come back to it again with you uh, in the future. So, um, thanks again, guys, for another amazing episode. This was a ton of fun to talk about. Absolutely, with all of you. Um, let me do a little admin here before I cut you loose. Um, if you like the podcast, of course, go to uh, Twitter and find at Nostalgium Pod if you want to communicate with us there. Or please go to us on Instagram. Um, I've been promoting this, but now if you follow us on Instagram, I'm going to post a bonus reel uh, of something having to do with the topic uh, every week. So go to find those there for just another uh, three uh, three so minutes-ish of uh, of bonus stuff that's there. And um, if you like it, go to uh, iTunes or Podcast Addict, wherever you found it. Drop it a review. That's always helpful. But of course, we love to hear from you. So send us messages as well. If you've got thoughts on this episode, our recent ones, which include Gargoyles, and uh, gosh, our, our upcoming one, uh, we get to the Beatles, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And uh, up next, we've got uh, uh, Homestar Runner coming up soon. I know, Tanya, uh, you and I are going to do Rocky, as you said, at some point in the near future. And there are uh, many other things in the works as well. So thanks again, uh, all three of you guys. Uh, and until next time, that is one more entry into the Nostalgia Arcanum. Cross the rainbow bridge.